This is the Simi Sarah Show on News Talk 980 CKNW, Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. Continuing now, we are talking about the verdict in the Gian Gameshi trial. And Sarah Bosfeld has been on the program talking about this. She is a senior writer for Chatelaine, and she covered uh, the trial and uh, the decision, which was released this morning. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, one of the quotes, and I want to talk a bit because you have talked to Lucy de Couture since the verdict. Um, you sat down with her. One of the, the findings from the judge, uh, and, and correct me if I'm, if I'm reading it wrong, I have uh, the verdict in, on very many sheets of paper in front of me yeah, right now. Uh, de Couture's behavior in the emails is out of harmony with her testimony to the Crown and her interviews with the media and police. It appears she tried to hide this evidence and hoped it would not be unearthed, the judge said, which is something that seriously affects her credibility. Uh, What was it like in the courtroom, if you can remember, when the judge ruled or read that part of his decision? Oh, there was a lot of discomfort, I think, on that bench where the complainants were sitting. Um, You know, they're really sitting through this, hearing exactly what the judge thought throughout that time when they were really on the spot to um, to to sort of tell their story and answer all the questions, uh, the really incisive questions, especially that Marie Hennon had. And so to hear that the judge believed that you actively, on purpose, kept things a secret or, or kept it out of court, got to be not very easy to hear. And, and actually, I didn't speak to Lucy after the verdict. I did an interview with her a couple weeks ago that we published today because we couldn't publish it before the verdict went Oh, you know, came down. So I do not know exactly how she felt um, in that moment. But I, you know, the feeling in the room was certainly that it, you know, not surprising, but at the same time, it's got to be really harsh to hear. Uh, From what I read in one of the stories about this, too, it says that the three complainants all left the courtroom with tears in their eyes. Can you kind of describe to us just, uh, and again, what we're hearing from a lot of people and the reaction seems to be not one of surprise at the verdict. uh, But what was it like being in there and listening to it and watching everybody react? I think it was pretty emotional, you know, and, and I think even on Gian Gomeshi's part, you know, my observation of him was that, you know, he didn't maybe actively have tears in his eyes, but he really just kind of looked like, you know, it was, he'd sort of been through <laughs> kind of at the other side of something really tough. And, uh, you know, maybe that is the experience on his end, but really that feeling in the room was, was a lot of tension. Um, there was a lot of, um, you know, really listening hard to what the judge was saying and making sense of it, of course. And, and I think in a lot of points, you could really see where he was going um, just by the things that he sort of selected from the testimony. And a lot of it was notable to, to many of us, too. But, um, you know, for example, you know, Murray Hennon used the term love letter with that letter. You know, other people maybe would not call it a love letter, as it were. It's not objectively a love letter, but that's sort of a hint that he was clearly, you know, did, did see it that way, you know, was convinced by Murray Hennon's argument that, that that was the case. So, you know, but myself, for having covered the trial, um, I actually did expect to hear a lot more uh, from him about sort of the importance of, of uh, not deterring women from coming forward, you know, not sort of resting too much on this case, but he really did focus on the what he heard in court directly and, and, and didn't really speak too much about what was going on outside, uh, as I thought he might actually try to do. Uh, he spoke at length about the actions of the women, their credibility, about what they did after the alleged assaults yeah. and such. Did he mention at all the the fact that Jean Gameshi kept 
the email and kept the letters and and the fact that that people generally speaking don't keep things like that for 13 years and 14 years after the fact from people they weren't overly involved with? Yeah, he didn't speak to that at all. And I don't think that sort of is relevant to him to speak to either. But at the same time, it's also like kind of an assumption that we're making that he kept all the stuff, you know, like we don't know what, um, you know, Hennon's team's, uh, you know, how how she accessed all that stuff. It's really just kind of, you know, he must have kept it because how else? But, um, you know, we don't know that 100% for sure, and I don't think it really factors in. But I think uh, observers looking at the coverage of this and, uh, you know, seeing these emails come up uh, would, would certainly be left with that impression. Uh, when, you, when you sat down, as you mentioned, you sat down with Lucy Decatur and spoke with her in an article that, that today uh, has been published uh, on the site. Uh, she, she talks a lot about, and again, there has been so much attention paid to the actions of women after. Uh, she, she told you in this interview, she said, I thought my biggest problem was sending flowers to Jeanne after the assault because I remembered the flowers. Uh, the I want to F your brains out thing is really out of character. Uh, how does she talk about or how does she explain that email, which really became such a big part of this trial? Yeah, and the judge certainly noted that email as well. Um, you know, she, you know, and I, t- I pressed her and I pressed her, and she was certainly pressed on the stand. I don't think she remembers sending it, you know, which is, you know, but, like, if you reach back into your memory, uh, you know, a decade ago, any other point, maybe there's a letter you wrote to, you know, that you don't remember, but the, the significance being, and the judge saying he's not, he didn't believe this, um, that you would not forget sending something to somebody who hurt you in that capacity, you know, and, and so that's, that did plant some doubt in his mind. Um, but she, she did say time and again to me and, and certainly in court that, that this was not something she remembered sending. And, and the, le- the, the flowers was actually part of her late disclosure, which she uh, brought forward at the 11th hour before her testimony. And, and so she said she remembered that after digging through her memories, but, but not the other two things. Uh, Sarah, do you have time if we take a short break? Can we continue and, and talk a bit more about the case? Sure. All right, we'll take a short break and continue with the Sarah Bosfeld with Chatelaine. More coming up. <clears throat> and we are continuing with Sarah Bosfeld, the senior writer with Chatelaine, who has covered the Gomeshi trial, was in court today to hear the acquittals in the case. Uh, Sarah, you also spoke with Lucy Decatur, the one complainant who can be publicly named uh, as she waived uh, the publication ban. Uh, you spoke with her in an interview that you've now posted today, an exclusive interview with her. Uh, one of uh, the things she told you, uh, a quote uh, that I'm reading from it right now, says, after I testified, I felt like I had to go up to every person in the world and apologize for ruining the case. What did she mean when she, when she told you that? I think she was speaking to the perception out there and all the sort of hopes pinned on her testimony. She had waived her pub ban, as you said, and so she was the sort of person that, uh, you know, a real name and face that people could connect with these these allegations because so often in the court automatically de facto gives you a pub ban. You know, and, and she she invoked Retea Parsons, who was the, the uh, teenager in, in uh, Nova Scotia who, who killed herself after um, sexual assault and bullying uh, related to that. She said that, you know, her, her sort of agency was taken away that way as well. And so I think she just felt a lot of responsibility given that sort of more public face of it. And so because that, you know, it's a very, you know, she, I don't know, maybe there's like a self-applied feeling that she needed to be, uh, you know, perfect uh, as, a, as a witness on that stand. And, and it's obviously in the, 
given the judgment, you do need to be a perfect uh, or a much more credible witness than she was, but um, in, in the judge's mind. But that um, that was certainly her feeling after getting off the stand was that uh, she she blew it. Uh, you mentioned too the the eleventh hour disclosure about the the email, the letters, uh, the um, the kissing after the alleged choking. Uh, the judge said she had a carelessness with the truth. What is your take on that, though? Because it sounds more like she is telling you she didn't remember these things until until she remembered them. Yeah, and that that is what she told me. And so a carelessness with the truth, um, you know, that is that's certainly a judgment that the judges, you know, that's his job is to to make a judgment on that, on that, and that's what he's decided. But um, but certainly readers can decide for themselves. Reading my interview with with Lucy and and having heard what she had to say on the stand, how they um, might take it. Um, and so that's outside, obviously, the court of law and, and a lot of the restrictions in the court of law. And I did press her on it, and she said she did not remember. Um, you know, I tried many different ways to sort of be like, are you sure? Are you sure? Um, you know, and, and that, that is what she, that's what she said. And I think it does also tell us, um, you know, a lot about um, how memory can be affected by, um, you know, passage of time, obviously, but for some people for, for, of, of, of going through uh, an abusive scenario like, um, like that one that she alleges. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's up to the public, I guess, can make their minds up now. The judges made his Oh, and it does so much look at memory. And one of the other complainants as well, and the judge said uh, her com- the third complainant was imprecise, saying unable to recollect whether Gomeshi had his hands on her neck for a few seconds or for 10 seconds. Uh, I read that and thought, who would remember that from from 13 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. And what really became clear was that, um, you know, in the judge's um, verdict was that, if you don't remember everything perfectly, how can I remember? How can you kind of be trusted to remember the incident themselves? Do you know what I mean? Like, are you you remember the details in in Giangomeshi's home before the incident, but then you couldn't remember other stuff that the judge might have sort of found conveniently, you know, good to not remember, you know? And then he did say that he thinks that there was an active, um, you know, hiding of the truth on, on these witnesses' parts. And so, you know, I think the, the construction of memory is, was a really important and fascinating aspect of this trial. And, and, and I think our understanding of it, um, you know, is really enlightened and or, or certainly expanded, you know, and there are different ways of thinking about it now. Uh, having sat through the trial as you did, did, were you shocked at all by the judgment today? Not by the outcome, but I did actually expect to hear more from the judge about um, sort of the broader impacts of of the judgment. Um, you know, I think he, uh, you know, the hint for me was when he was in, uh, you know, when the media was arguing for access to the bikini photo that Witness One had sent Gianco Meshi uh, via email months after, years after, was it year, months or years, anyway, after the incident, long time after, um, you know, he had said, I'm worried about a chilling effect on people coming forward. And if we let this sort of out in the public, you know, that might deter people, you know, and, and I thought, you know, he could acquit, but also sort of say, look, you know, the system is important and, and it's here to really find the truth and women should still come forward. He didn't, didn't say anything about that, didn't really go there. He just kind of kept it all within the, the court, which is, you know, 
likely a prudent thing to do, right, if, he, if he's de- deciding the case before him. But I thought, uh, given the attention on this case, that that might have been something he would do. It is bizarre to hear that. And I remember when, when that was being debated and, and the bikini photo. But for a judge to say he's worried about the chilling effect for women, other women to come forward, I can't imagine a, a more chilling effect than this judgment for what it might do for other women thinking about coming forward. Well, you know, they, they, I don't know what to say to that, you know, it's, uh, they can, at least they can read it themselves and go through it and, and make their minds up and, and, uh, you know, hopefully they, they will make a decision that's right for them. But, it, you know, in a, in a better world, there would be maybe a system that, um, be more, you know, encouraging of, of, of their, you know, sort of taking their complaints and, and moving ahead in a really, uh, you know, good, good, supportive way, I guess, for them while still at the end of the day, making sure that you don't convict someone without enough uh, proof. And, and again, it's so difficult in sexual assault cases to, to prove um, that this occurred. It's, it's really one word against another. And we often don't get to hear the other, you know, the, the person who's uh, accused of doing it. All they, all they say is guilt, you know, pleading guilty or not guilty. Um, so it, it's really, really, really difficult. And, and I think a lot of people will be looking at this, at this judgment and, and uh, you know, really thinking hard about the system that we have now and and seeing if there are ways to do anything about it. Uh, Sarah, appreciate your time. I know it's a a busy day for you and a lot of people wanting to chat with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk.